right, welcome back, listeners. Uh, we are doing another interview for our Frog God Game Master series. Uh, we got another interview request. This time, um, we are going to be interviewing a John Hambone McGuire, uh, which I got to admit is a pretty fantastic name. I I, I kind of perused through the um, some of the stuff you sent me, um, including your Kickstarter page, and. I think the one that I loved best was um, a guy whose name was Cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of fun fun names in this one. Uh, but John, why don't you tell us a bit about who you are and uh, why you're you're deigning to grace our little podcast feed? Well, thanks very much for having me, Jason. I am John Hambone McGuire. Many people know me as the co-host of the Vintage RPG podcast. I am the co-creator and co-writer of 321 action and our latest adventure which is what we're kickstarting now point nemo awesome and listeners um i usually when i do these i get a little a few pdfs um my last one they sent over quite a few different adventures and stuff but this one was kind of special because at our normal game today uh, some not everybody could make it so we cracked open the adventure that you sent and played through the first uh, first part of the ep- of the scenario, and I got to tell you, it was a lot of fun. That's we had awesome. a good time. There, I mean, there were so many wonderful things about it, uh, uh, and I'm going to rant and rave for a little bit. A um, looks like Kelly Williams is your main artist on that. He is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, the, so yeah, it's uh, I'll admit. It's a little campy looking, but I feel like it's it's perfect for what it is. So we're going. Right? Yeah. Um, and I, I was asking the, the players about it, you know, what they what they thought. Everybody really liked the system. It was easy to understand, easy to pick up, easy to just dive into. And, you know, even running the game, the whole thing for the, the PDF you sent me of the adventure also included as near as I can tell, the entire core rulebook. And it was 112 pages. And that's with, like, the blank pages for in between, like, the glossary and the credits. And the t- and so it's probably could have gotten that thing down to 100 pages easy. That's amazing. Thank you, man. You know, that means the world to me. Like, that is such a surprise. Like, we didn't talk about this before I came on the show today. And I'm totally floored by this. So thank you for taking the time to play play our game. You know, one of the things that was so important to us is trying to make a game that's easy for people to pick up and play. And, you know, when we first made the book, the whole concept was we're going to put the rules, we're going to put everything in in one book. Um, Now, I also sent you the PDF for the rule books. We were like, you know what, we want people just to play this, so we always make the rules available for free. Um, Just so you could pick it up, you could tell your own story with it, but... You played through the game that we kickstarted during ZineQuest this year. That's Rocket to Russia. It's mm-hmm. essentially the prequel to the story that uh, we're kickstarting right now, which is Point Nemo. Yeah, yeah, and I, I felt like it was uh, the way I described it to my players was it's like if the A team was on Stargate SG One. That's it. That's a hundred percent. Like I wish I thought of that tagline myself because that's exactly what Rocket to Russia is. Yeah, and it's just it's just so much fun too. And like you know, there's a bunch of pre-generated characters, the rules how to make your own, but the pre-gens themselves, you know, they they seem like the exact sort of people that would get just the military would just put on a special ops team and dump on this weird uh, irradiated 
Kaiju Island and, you know, told to, hey, you don't really know the specifics, but just go do the mission. Um, exactly. For all intents and purposes, the NPCs are kind of expendable because yeah. these are the people that <laughs> don't fit in on other teams. It's like, you know, you're going to the island of misfits or go the misfits are going to the island of misfit toys and then wackiness ensues. Yeah. And that's that's what Point Nemo is like. George and I, who's my writing partner, he's the co-creator of 321 Action. Like, we grew up watching all these, like, crazy 80s, 70s, 90s movies where, like, this is the kind of thing that would be kind of commonplace. You've got a crack commando team who's going in to do a wet works job, and it doesn't turn out to be what you think it is. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, when you mentioned the Expendables thing, um, they asked their point of contact on the island, like, are there any allies out there? And I had him just go... Yeah, there's probably about one per every character death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get topside uh, in Point Nemo, a lot of people are already dead. Yeah. You know, because you're, you're sent there to take out a rogue sniper. And then when you pop up, it's just like, well, there's the rogue sniper. And now there's all these monsters. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, we're talking like creatures from the Black Lagoon sort of monster. Um, it really has has a very classic honestly it's a little strange almost to play because you like you have that classic monster movie feel and then you have that classic like jungle warfare like i don't know a team rambo level of like combat gritty you're in there oh i'm out of ammo throw the gun to the side pick up this one keep shooting but it i mean all in all it made me i do enough of these all right, I want them all to succeed, but I just financially can't back them all. Yeah, I'm backing this one, dude. Like, thank you. I oh, want, man. I want the next storyline. I want Point Nemo. Well, dude, that that is it's awesome. fun. And thank you. And, and listen, I I know how hard it is to make a buck, and I know how hard it is to part with a buck. So we're always grateful to anyone who backs us, and we try to make sure that the quality of what we put out there is going to far exceed what you pay for it because we want everyone to have a good time. And if you had fun in, in Rocket to Russia when you're a crack commando team, in Point Nemo, it's two years later and a billionaire puts together a documentary film crew under false pretenses to go film in this spaceship graveyard, which um, Point Nemo is a real place in the world. It's where all the space debris and all the space junk and old spaceships and stuff that have like, you know, space radiation get dropped. Because it's in the middle of the ocean, the middle of nowhere, farthest point from any human life. But the billionaire takes him to this island, and suddenly there's an island where it's not supposed to be. You shipwreck on the island, and in Rocket to Russia, you're a crack commando team. So it's like, whatever, it's no big deal. You know, we're G.I. Joe. And this one, you're a goof troop documentary film crew, <laughs> like maybe like one veteran among you and like a celebrity chef. And you have to <laughs> escape from this island. It immediately makes me think of um, uh, the second Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're not you're not so prepared for this one. It's not yeah. like you know your car breaks down on the Jersey Turnpike. You think someone's going to show up eventually. AAA is coming. You've now shipwrecked on this island that's not supposed to be there. Yeah, uh, and they're plant monsters. Surprise! Yeah, yeah. But I presume this one also gets rid of the uh, the 12-hour time limit, so you've got a little bit more time to... You do. Yeah. So, 
And thank you. I'm glad you noticed that. One of the things that was, I mean, it was my first adventure. The first adventure, the thing I've ever really written. And me and George, um, George's been writing for like a long time. But like, I, this is the first time when I was like, I'm going to write. And I actually committed to it. And I, I wrote something. Um, but it was initially, it was supposed to be for zine quests. It was supposed to be a zine. And my thing is, I want to try to make things accessible for people, excessive and not exclusive, because I want everyone to play the game. I want everyone to enjoy it. And also, like, trying to, like, keep in mind, like, you know, giving people access to it and whatever. So I am of the mind that, like, if you put everything in one little book that is easily transported places, people are going to do it and they're going to have fun with it. Because, like, I have back problems. My L4 and L5 are like, mm, not today, Satan. And, uh, Carrying a bunch of books for me is a little much, but one pocket-sized book you can throw in your back pocket and throw in your backpack and take places. It felt like good. So I was like, we're going to do this adventure, but we're also going to put the rules in there. And I thought initially, with the adventure and the rules, which aren't very long, I'm like, it's going to be like a 60-page scene. No problem. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing, and now it's like 112 pages. Yeah. Uh, and it's still pocket-sized, but it's yeah. a little bit bigger. Well, male pocket-sized, anyway. Yeah. Stereotypical female pockets, uh, maybe not as much. Yeah, you're lucky pockets. Yeah, I will say this: that is one of the things I noticed because for you, John, I'm a Pathfinder player, and I, I love Pathfinder, but I can't stand using their PDFs. Right. And in large part, I, and I never really thought about it before this. Before I, I opened the PDF for this and was flipping through it. They take forever to load. You want to go more than five pages, and you're like you're stopping to wait. Yours, I could flip through thirty pages, and like I just have to stop to orient myself. It was because I was going back and forth, like okay, I'm on, you know, looking at this, and then somebody's like, well, uh, what about this weapon? So I got to jump back like thirty pages to look at the weapons. But it literally is only the time it takes me to scroll through thirty pages to find it. So yeah. even the PDFs load super fast. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. We, we want to make it easy for everybody, you know? So when we had the PDF design, we had a design with the intention of it being able to, whether you need to read it on a screen reader or whether you're going to just read it on your laptop or on your phone, it's just the font's big. Everything is easy to read. You're able to kind of spot what you're going to do. Yeah. And, like, like to me, like, I have tons of PDFs for all these different games. And a lot of times it's, like, the same thing, like, I'm, I'm, it's on a big screen and I'm still squinting trying to see it. So we, we try to make it big and friendly and also make the rules simple enough that eventually you, you won't need to kind of go back to the rules. So you just be able to like, oh, I need to find the weapons. Pro tip, what I started doing, which I've had a lot of success with, I just make copies of the PDF and I open on my computer three different PDFs and just one's weapons, one's monsters, one's story, and I just kind of go back and forth. Yeah. If I could figure out how to get Adobe to open multiple copies... I would totally do that. There is that. Yeah, that, that <laughs> I know it's possible, but I have yet to to figure it out. So, but uh, listeners, hey, if you have an easy step by step tutorial, feel free to email us at shieldbash at gmail shieldbashpodcast at gmail Other than that, though, um, why don't we talk more specific about uh, the Kickstarter itself, Point Nemo? It is. Let's see. Let's look at this. This right now we're recording on Sunday, 11 14, 2021. This will go up 11 16. Uh, so middle of the week. Then it'll still have uh, over two weeks left, and we are well past uh, two thirds of the way. 
So it really just needs a little bit of a nudge to get through, listeners. Looks like we're going with a very similar art style on a lot of this, which is fantastic. Yeah, uh, Kelly's back. Kelly did a bunch of art for it. Uh, I also brought in some other artists as well, um, just schedule-wise, trying to get every everything to line up, everyone to line up. Uh, i got Claire Connolly drawing some monsters. i got Sally Canarino, um, who is a very well-known comic book artist, doing things like I Walk With Monsters. She's currently doing Human Remains. Also, my partner, but nonetheless, uh, she's very talented, so she's working on it. Uh, Cheese. Cheese is back. Uh, doing more art for this. I got Skull doing maps again. I got a few other people in there as well. Uh, Kerouac doing some art. You know, I got some really cool art, very in line with uh, what you were used to and what you enjoyed in Rocket to Russia, but kind of expanding on that, kind of taking it in some cool new directions. Yeah. I can see um, Lou Morg, Dan Smith, Nick Tonfia, all listed as illustrators beyond what you've already said. So there's there's a lot in here. Yeah, Nick, um, uh, Nick's done a bunch of work for Mothership, and he's one of my favorite artists. And he draws very creepy, very uncomfortable things. So he's he's got like a key scene uh, later in the story that I was really, when he said it back to me, I was like, this is awesome. Lou's a buddy of mine. Um, Lou does great, gross work. And that's why that's why we brought him in, because he's, he's low. And he, Lou does gross-looking monsters. Yeah, and, and that is one thing about these. These monsters are they're they're the sort of thing that is supposed to leave you like Ugh. like i when i was doing the leech fight in uh rockets to russia everyone was like wait they're they're how big oh yeah oh. Oh. yeah i had claire i uh had claire redraw because we did not have an actual drawing of the leeches for uh, rocket to russia it's a piece that came from the general that the leeches are attached to. So I wanted like a specific drawing of the leeches. So I had Claire draw the leeches uh, in this for this one, and they are even nastier looking than you could imagine. Oh. They're vicious looking. I mean, you know, I grew up. You know, one, one of the, one of the things that always stuck with me. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Stand by Me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So when they get out of the water and they got leeches all over them, that was like the first time I'd ever seen what a leech was. Um, and then years later, uh, Night of the Creeps, um, Tom Atkins, uh, girl in the prom dress with the flamethrower, like all that stuff really stuck with me. And, you know, I, it kind of became part of the story that I, that I wanted to tell with, uh, Rocket to Russia, uh, and with Point Nemo. It, it does a good job. It, it really does convey that, that, that feeling of like, we need to not let these things touch us yeah and, and that's the thing like you know Stu, who is vintage rpg he's got a great quote and that's horror is helplessness that's like that's what true horror is it's kind of helplessness and you know when you're when your back's against the wall you know you, you have to make some moves and that's you know with rocket to russia you know we you mentioned before about the timing of it it's your it's a quick time mission part of that was you i wanted to keep the players on the edge of a knife constantly and they had to keep moving 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 also keep it was on the rails because the first thing i ever wrote so it was kind of like this is a good way to keep people moving you know from start to the go home especially for a new game runner and that's what we call the person who runs and oversees the game in three to one action you're the game runner it's a little on the nose but that you're that's your role that's what you do so it helps first time game runners new game runners be like okay i have the confidence to do this because i just need to get them from a to b and now with future things like point nemo three two and horror which is coming next year um 
even if it's still a little on the rails, there's still openness to it. There's still more world to be explored. And also, no, like, the sub is leaving without you if you don't get there by, like, noon. And, listeners, one of the things that is covered, and this is directly from the rule book too, not just in um, The Rockets to Russia, and I presume it will hold true the same. And you guys, if you've listened to all of these these side episodes, you've heard this talked about before. Um, right in the rule book is veils and X's. Right? Because this is horror stuff, like some people aren't going to enjoy certain things. Like for me, when you mentioned that feeling of helplessness, I cannot stand any scene where somebody is immobilized and torn apart. Right. That is the thing in any horror movie that I just... It makes me like, I will never watch this movie again because of that. I could love the entire... Like, Shaun of the Dead yeah. is a hilarious movie, but I will never watch it again because of that one scene. Yeah. And so for me, that's a veil. We kind of touch on it and then let it slide without much description. And then the X's are obviously the completely... Bleh. So, as a reminder, if you don't know your group well make sure you discuss these things. You know, I think that's a great point that you make there. And I, I think with, you know, discussing it with your group, if you know them well, and I take, I like it a step further where I think that even if you do know your group well, like, man, you don't know what people are going through. You don't know, and you, you, you can't presume or, or guess what happens when they leave your table or, you know, what's going on in their day-to-day lives. So I, I think it's cool to do a check-in here and there with your group and just be like, hey, just so you know, we're going to get into this, because maybe if they've never vocalized that they weren't into something before, you're at least giving them the opportunity to do that. And I think, you know, it's one something that, like, I guess, you know, when I started playing games, like, I don't know, almost 20 years ago at this point, like, it wasn't the thing that you really thought of, you know, uh, content warning, lines, veils, X's. And it's become more prominent, as you know, in the last several years. And I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because... If you know what lines you can't cross, man, everyone is going to have a much better time at your table. Everyone's going to have more fun because there's not that specter of, is this going to happen? And then I'm going to go home feeling bad. Like, nope, you know, we get it all out, open face on the table, and then everyone has a good time. And then if you know what you can't do, but you know what they like, you could ramp that up even more, man. Send everybody home happy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole point to playing these games is to have fun. So. And, you know, exactly. Yeah. And you know, it it does also lead to the other side of that conversation, like you said, which I think is a, a really important thing because a lot. I I will not sugarcoat this. I know some people that are very disparaging of the very concept of veils and axes, and it's you know, if that's what works for your group, whatever. But having that conversation can lead to the other thing, like you said, of this is what I do like. This is the sort of thing that I think is cool, yeah. and then you can play it up. You know, part of the reason why we went with Game Runner instead of Game Master, because, I mean, you know, Game Masters are a pretty broad term these days, and obviously you can't call yourself a Dungeon Master because legally you're prohibited from doing so, but, you know, Game Runner felt good to me because I wanted to, you know, when I started working on this, when George came in, you know, we wanted to create a role that was not adversarial to your players, because that's the whole thing, it's collaborative storytelling, you know, this is... For us, cinematic storytelling, but, you know, the best times that I've had playing, like, D&D and other games like that was when the DM wasn't purposely trying to kill me. It was more like, you know, they're, they're a referee. They're just kind of overseeing it. So with 3-2-1 action, we really put the, the power to the whole table 
and the game runner is just equal to everyone else except they just kind of know what the next twist is yeah you know and that giving everyone even equal footing at the table is kind of a cool thing and it it gives people a little more courage to do weird shit and to take chances and to and to be like all right you know what i am going to try to climb that tree and like maybe see if i fall out or not because you know no one's really trying to kill you the dice decide what they decide though you know yeah yeah and that is one of the nice things about this game is i say nice things if this is what you're into it is a very open-ended game you know it, it is not there's a discussion i had kind of with one of the players at my table about you know rules heavy games and he's like you know and some games aren't and he's like oh you mean like D fifth edition i'm like no D&D 5th edition is not as rules heavy as Pathfinder, but it is still, compared to a lot of games, very rules heavy. This, like I said, you know, you get the entire adventure and the entire rule book in 112 pages. And that's with credits and cover pages and everything. Like, so, and, you know, I think a good chunk of those two are just explaining, like, you know, I think an entire half a page is the really kick-ass flamethrower that we just used to bake a bunch of amphicuras earlier today. You know, and like all the different things you can do with the grenade launcher, you know, yeah. and it's just, it's, it's so open and lets you, like you said, have that cinematic experience of just being like, yeah, I'm going to pull an Errol Flynn off this jungle vine while the other guy's like, yeah, you know, I was a sharpshooter, but now I have a fucking samurai sword and I'm going to chop this guy's arm off. Yeah. And the samurai sword has a special ability where if you do a certain amount of damage, you can decapitate someone. You know, rule, rules light and rules heavy is, is always kind of a weird, weird misnomer, uh, I think, in RPGs. And I'm not slagging anybody's RPG. I'm of the mind that if you are happy playing the game and you like those rules, then it's the greatest game in the world because you're happy yep. in it and I'm happy for you. Uh, D&D, I don't really think is rules light because if you if you have a rule book that is multiple hundreds of pages, I don't really think you can consider that rules light because there's oh, it's there's, definitely not. There's a lot of rules, but you know we we really are rules light, and even at like a hundred and like eleven or twelve pages, it's an A5 size zine. So uh, there's 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 a lot more bang for your buck, but it's smaller and more compact. But you know, even with other styles of games that we're going to be coming out with like we're doing horror next year we're doing uh fantasy i think a couple seasons later uh in next year the core rules are the same nothing's going to change it's going to be two or three more special gimmick rules for that style of play like horror is going to have you know i i'm writing a you know we have the main horror one uh which can't really get into the story on that but that's going to have a couple rules done done uh, I'm writing to come out at the same time a zombie survival adventure. It's going to be, I call it a zombie fun run. Um, and there are three additional rules specific to dying, respawning, and getting bitten. But other than that, everything you need to know is in the main rules. And that's not going to change. Uh, one thing that is changing, we're not going to put the rules in every book. Because, you know, as, as a first-time publisher, we just found out how much paper costs. Uh, also... Uh, we're just lately. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. But we want to make sure that everyone always has access to it so it'll exist online for free forever. Like, we're never going to charge for the rules. I mean, we if we, we print up a couple of physical copies of the rule book, you know, we'll charge for that because it's it's actual paper. But if you just want to learn how to play 3 to one action, there's always going to be a link that's going to be for free. Please yeah. learn to play our game. Yeah. And listeners, um, 
the rules are pretty pretty broad cover kind of just the general concepts and leave it for the game runner but the actual mechanics are super complicated what you need is you have to have a 10-sided die and you roll it and then that determines your success or failure so uh, I can go over that again if anybody needs me to. Okay, you have a single ten-sided die. It's it's fantastic. I, I mean, like I said, I I can't rave enough because we just had fun playing it. You know, thanks. That's the best endorsement I could ask for. You know, we really wanted to keep it simple, and initially it started out as like a D hundred, you know, um, generic role-playing system. A little more OSR. Every weapon had a different dice and this and that. But you know, George who's my partner and all this, he is really, his, his brain works like differently and it's in the best possible way. Cause I was like, this is how it is. This is how it's been done. He said, well, you really want to make it easy. You really want to make it accessible. Yeah. He goes, why don't you drop the zero? We'll just do D10. And I thought about it, you know, and I've said this before on other shows, but you know, a broad generalization as it may be, most people can count to 10 and most people can do simple addition and subtraction. So yep. you roll off a single D10, you have to roll at or below your stat. And if there's a penalty or a bonus, it's a one, two, or three, either plus or minus. Yep. And that's it. You know, you don't have to roll to hit in combat. Everything automatically hits, per se. Uh, you just roll damage. You roll against the weapon, and you subtract uh, the damage penalty of the weapon, and that's how much damage you do. So if you don't do any damage, then yes, you do miss, but you're, you're not rolling every time to try to hit. Yep. It's more about telling the game runner in combat what you and your buddies want to do. And that's not limited to just what do you want to do. It's like, well, my buddy is like huge and jacked and he wants to throw me like Wolverine into a fastball special. You could do that. You just got to make a roll for it. Yep. Action check. That's it. Yep. You see, you got it. You just played it once and you already got it. Um, One thing we do do in this game, which I really like, is that uh, it's another George invention. Uh, We don't use hit points. We use luck points. Yes. I was going to bring that up next. That, That was clever. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, you know, because this is cinematic storytelling, so when your luck runs out, you die. So with that, you could be doing something, like say, you know, at one point, if you're swinging from a jungle vine over a pit of lava, and you're jumping from vine to vine, and you blow your roll, you can take some of your luck points and burn some of your own life to make that roll. So you're flying through the air, and you have a moment where you're like, huh, I blew it by like three I could spend three of my luck, or I could roll the dice and see what happens when I fall from a high distance into a pit of lava. You might want to spend some luck points. Yep. So you could spend luck points to make your rolls. You could spend luck points to, if you're foraging for ammunition, and you're like, wow, I, I really rolled a one. I'm going to spend like uh, a couple luck points to grab a couple more bullets. You know, you can do stuff like that. You can't adjust your damage with luck points, but... You know, you could push your luck until it until it really does run out. Or, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do in the cinematic sense, which we didn't really see represented in other games, was the ability to sacrifice yourself in a heroic manner in order for your friends to be able to survive. So, like, if you're getting chased by a bunch of Amphicore and you've got a hand grenade and you know you've only got two luck left, you could say, run, I'll hold them off. And you could have that big, like, moment where you... You stop you, you stop the Amphicore from, you know, making it to you. Yeah, it made me think, um, I used to watch a YouTuber who played Magic the Gathering, and one of the things he said is, uh, everything in Magic is a resource, including your hit points. Don't be afraid to spend your resources. Yes. And it was like, yeah, I mean, I've, I've never seen a system 
that you can intentionally give up your own hit points for in a system like this. And, you know, it, admittedly, I was a little confused at first because I was like, at, it says in there, like, at the end of every episode, you gain a D10 of hit points back. And I was like, you got to get through this whole book? And then I realized, no, like, th- this, this scenario has four episodes. Yeah, yeah. But there's also, listeners, there's no maximum. Like, you start off with 27, and if you end up, you know, at 30, you're not wasting three. You just now have 30. Yeah. Amazing. We have Battlefield Medicine. We have people who do do Battlefield Medicine, get you some hit points back. There's first aid kits uh, throughout the adventure. But, you know, I've had a player once get through the whole thing. They had, like, a max of 24 hit points when they started. At the end of the episode, they rolled a D10, and they got 10. So now they have 34, you know? And then... It, 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 there's no maximum because you can and that's the thing it's, it's a movie you can get luckier you know yeah you, you can keep getting luckier uh you know one thing you can't do is you can't use a first aid kit to to boost your it's it's got to be a straight roll of the d10 we also do a thing called the end of the episode wrap-up where you get awarded for like line of the night action moment of the night like you know you can get additional luck points to what you're going to roll for at the end of that, which is, it's cool. And I, and I think it adds a little more to the collaborative nature of it. Cause if, you know, if you do something at the table that makes everyone pop, if you survive that encounter, uh, you, you, you damn well guaranteed to get a few extra on top of your D 10 because yeah. you know, that's what it's all about. It's like, you know, rewarding players for, for, for playing, you know, yeah. and actually like not sitting there being like, I don't know if I should go in there, you know, cause there's a monster in there. It's like, that's the point you need yeah. to go. Which admittedly is something I run into in a, in a few tabletop games, regardless of the system. People are just like, oh, uh, "I might, I might get hurt." It's like, "Yeah, we're freaking adventurers. Like, this is the job that we signed up for. Do you just want to retire your character and have him go run a winery? Like, yeah, let's go have some action." Listen, and you know what? The beautiful thing about where we are in gaming right now is there's probably a zine out there for the person who does want to retire and run that winery. There's probably. a shooter. But, you know, uh, <laughs> in action, though, you can die. And that's not a big deal because it's easy to just roll up another character and seamlessly have them slip into the story. Like, you know, if you look at the pre-gen characters, they've got a little backstory, but it's only really three or four sentences. It's nothing big. I mean, as you're playing... We also have a one of the core tenets of action is fill the plot hole in two sentences, which is a great way, like with especially like a, a really a truly rules light system like this is to add more depth as you're playing instead of trying to do homework before you play. So, you know, for instance, if you come across a dirt bike in the middle of this middle of this jungle and your character wants to roll it, you don't have to worry about what stat you're going to roll. It's going to be your action stat. However, the game runner might be like, well, you want to pick up this this thing, it's going to be like an action check plus one or two, or you could fill the plot hole in two sentences. And all you have to do if you want to do something outside of your normal purview is say something along the lines of, you know what, when I was a kid, I spent summers at my cousin's house, he had dirt bikes, my mom used to hate it when we rode them together. And right there, plot hole solved, you know how to ride the motorcycle, no penalty. Yep. Easy. You know, and now... You've got a little more depth to your character. Yep. Uh, people know a little bit more about your character because it happens. It unfolds like it would in a movie. It it is uh, just a really solid system, and what's the way to put it? It's like a framework, you know, 
Uh, Pathfinder does a great job of like building you an entire ship. This is very much a here's your 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 frame. You build it however you want it. Yeah, thank you. And that's the thing. You know, the idea is that it's a cinematic storytelling engine for telling any kind of story. You know, we we got a heist in the works. Uh, Western. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, heist. Like one of my favorite things. Yeah, we we have we have all the mechanics down for it. It's just we have a few other things in the pipe first that we need to to get done before we can get there. But yeah, we're doing heist. We're doing horror. We're doing you know. Uh, we did action, we're doing uh, a western, you know, we got a plan for like a space nice. one down the line and the thing is, if you don't want to wait for us to get to the point where we write them or we hire, because that's what we're doing next year, we're also hiring people to start writing other adventures you don't have to wait because once you have this rule set you can just tell your own story if you want to write your heist, if you want to do your your you know, space opera with it like, you, you see how the weapons work, you can just kind of reverse engineer it, you can have the framework to tell your story and, and know if your players want to do this, they roll one of these six stats. I could really see the system working well for like um, a Firefly type episodic Absolutely. adventure. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I love that. Oh, I love Firefly. Oh, yeah. Everybody does. It's fantastic. And that's the thing too. Like, you know, one of the things, and, and again, I'm not crapping on anybody's system, but when it comes to license stuff, one of the big sticking points for anyone I know who's ever played a licensed game was there's always that point where it's fine but then you need to do the thing and there's no real rule for you to be able to do that thing um there's always that weird rubicon that you can't cross because it's it kind of breaks the game to be able to do what you want to do here it you know and with a lot of uh, storytelling games it does give you the freedom to do that thing you know we just have a a very, I think, refined way to roll for it and make yeah. it happen easy, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely seems like um, it was a well-thought-out system. Thank like, you. It's, it, it's diverse enough that, it, you know, getting that D10 with anywhere from a minus three to a plus three is significant enough that it's going to make a big difference, but it's simple enough that everybody's going to just be able to roll it and run with it real easy. Yeah, I mean the stats. You know, it's 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 a D ten. But when you make your stats for your character, <clears throat> lowest you can go is two. The highest you can go is nine. So there's always a chance for absolute success or critical failure. Yep. And it may not seem like much, but a one, two, and three is a lot. It, you know, it could really make or break what you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to rolling, and that's another thing too. We don't make you roll for everything. You know, it's if you're rolling for it, it's because it's a challenge because you're, you have to do something extra you know um so you know one of the things that you know happened early on is you know our brain stat um is more for like picking locks and for like solving traps and puzzles and this and that you know initially it was very much in line with most rpgs where like you know i want to look for something and you're making your brains roll and a friend of mine she was like dude why are you making people do that it's like the worst part about playing rpgs because I'm going to blow this roll and not find it. And then someone else, I'm going to try. And they're going to blow it and they're going to blow it. And then after five people blow the roll looking for something that they now know is there. Like, what do you do as a dungeon master? You know? Yeah. So if you're looking for something, you will always find it in action. You know? And if, unless, you know, you're rifling through a body, 
I may make you roll to see how much you find. But you yeah. can like, hey, I want to go in this corner of the room and I want to look for this. If it's there, you're going to find it. Yeah. No, that, that does bring up a good point. I read an article a while back about running mysteries, um, like murder mysteries kind of specifically, in a rules-heavy RPG. And that's one of the things they brought up is if there is something that the party needs to find... You do not make it a perception roll because it's all too often that everybody will just not see it and yeah. not find it. So, like, you have to do this thing where it's like, okay, you roll, you have everybody roll perception, but they're going to find the thing, and if they roll well enough, they find plus. Yeah, exactly. And RPGs have come a long way uh, in so far as being able to run mysteries. I mean, there's a gumshoe system. There's you know, different systems that are specifically made for that. Uh, for action, it's going to be a little while before we do mystery. And it's yeah. not for lack of the system. The system will work fine running a mystery. But, like, I love mystery programs. You know, I, you know, Paolo, uh, Verdashi wrote. I watch a lot of mystery programs. You know, Colum Diagnosis Murder. Yes, exactly. Oh, Psych Columbo. Psych Monk, all of them. Yeah, you know. If there's a mystery on TV... I want to watch it. But I, I mean, I prefer the mysteries where you don't really see the person get murdered, per se. I like I like the idea of murder. I just don't like the action of murder. Like, it's like, his body's already there. What happened? Someone shot him. Okay. Um, those are the little murder light, I guess, is what, what I'm, I'm into here. But, you know, it's tricky. Like, mystery writing, I think, is this very specific art. Uh, that I'm not there yet. And I'll, I'll be the first to say I'm not there yet because it's not even so much can you write a mystery story? Yes, you can write a mystery story. I, I could, I'm could. i confident I could write a mystery story. But when you are designing a game, especially an RPG, I'm not running it for you. So even if I could grok it and figure it out in my head, if I can't on paper essentially teach you how to do it yourself, then it, it doesn't work, you know? Yeah, yeah. With the action rule set, absolutely. But it's it's a very specific other thing than writing like the mystery is having it easy for someone to open a book and say, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. I think the system does lend to that because, like you said, they go in the tent and they look, they find the clue, you know, and then it's it's kind of up to the players to figure out what the actual thing is, you know. Because they're not going to be able to roll an intelligence check to be like, well, what does my character think? It's like, no, this, you, you gotta, you gotta do it. That being said, Point Nemo, it is both the name of the island and the name of the adventure. Yeah, it is well on its way. It is hopefully one of many future ones, and it also comes with the Kevin Saves Christmas special. Yeah. What do you so, want to tell us about that? Oh my God! So uh, a couple things. I'm, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say I mean, you're gonna get some breaking news here. We are gonna adjust the name of the game to Escape oh. Emo. Um, it's just kind of like a, a late thing. George actually texted me this morning about it. We're just waiting to get the artwork back on it. He's like, you know what? Wait, you know, point. It's because it is the island as well. Uh, the vibe really is Escape from Point Nemo, so why don't we just call it Escape from Point Nemo? So at some point later this week, maybe even after the episode comes out, uh, it's it's going to say Escape from Point Nemo, which really, to me, captures the overall vibe of the adventure. Um, Kevin Saves Christmas is fun. So 
if you've looked through the rule set, you're going to see a little a fish person there who kind of pops up and, and walks you through the rules. Uh, mm -hmm. On the island of Point Nemo, uh, Amphicora is what we call the fish folk. And of them, our friend Cheese drew Kevin, who is our unofficial mascot, and he teaches you how to do the rules. So George hits me up. He's like, we should do something extra for the people who backed us in our first year. We should do something really special. And I was like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, well, the holidays are coming after we kick start, you know, Point Nemo. Why don't we do an honest to God holiday special, like a legitimate holiday adventure? And I was like, we're not even done writing Point Nemo yet. Like we're in the process. He's not, on. he's like, we can do this. He's like, what if we did, Kevin saves Christmas and it's essentially it's Christmas Eve on the island of Point Nemo kind of nondescript time because it kind of it can fall at any point around either game um, Kevin the Amphicora needs to bring history's greatest heroes and air quotes here for heroes through space and time to help him fight Krampus and save the island and save Christmas and so you uh, Kevin is the NPC you can play as divine uh, you could play as Montezuma 2. You could play as uh, Madame Curie, Elizabeth Bathory, Ned Kelly, uh, <laughs> Hammurabi. Uh, and you essentially have to go on this quest through the island. And there's some, there's some cool surprises in there. Like Kevin draws the maps, Kevin the Amphicora. So uh, with crayons and paper, the maps <laughs> are drawn. And uh, Cheese did the layout on this one. It's it's going to be full color. It's a PDF, so it's going to be full color. Um, and it's it's three three episodes, and it's two and a half episodes. Two, two yeah, kind of like three episodes, but uh, it's like forty pages. Like it's crazy. And you have some cool special weapons in there. Krampus has some crazy things that Krampus can do, uh, and everyone has like cool powers. And that's like the fun for me with when you make these. These things is like, I, you know, I'm coming up with these monsters and I come up with these characters and I'm like, well, how do their powers work? So like, you know, Madame Bathory has vampiric powers, like Divine has a chainsaw and like as a special ability can pull Tracy Turnblad out of her wig and throw Tracy Turnblad at the at the creatures and have her dance to cooties and distract everybody. Um Hammurabi has a special ability where, like, he's got Hammurabi's coat on a, a basalt pillar that he, he hits people with. But, like, his super special ability is if you, if Hammurabi or one of his teammates gets killed, Hammurabi can yell out the word objection, right? And so you roll a d10, and I forget if it's odds or evens, because, uh, but if you, if you roll, like, odds, uh, the objection is sustained and either Hammurabi or Hammurabi's friend comes back to life with one luck point. <laughs> or if you roll uh, even or whatever, uh, it's overruled and you're dead. So, <laughs> I, you know, I got to have fun with like, with who the characters were in life. Uh, but we're giving it away. We, we, we put a lot of love into this. We're giving it away completely for free to everybody who backed us. Uh, in our first year so whether you back point nemo or whether you back rocket to russia you back both and we appreciate that uh on december 15th there'll be a, an update uh, to kickstarter where there'll be a link to where you could download kevin saves christmas and we had postcards made that we're going to mail to everyone who backs who backs uh the physical tiers i think 
the PDF will get to you before the postcard will, but we actually have uh, greetings from Point Nemo postcards that we're going to mail out nice. uh, to our backers. But, you know, with the holidays, with the Postal Service, you may get it by New Year's, but you're going to get that adventure to play with your friends on Christmas break, holiday break, or whatever, uh, December 15th. It's totally free. It's just in addition to Point Nemo. I, I ain't going to lie, when I read that, I was like, Kevin saves Christmas. Like, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone? Is this a Home Alone adventure? It's, nope. It's, completely different. Kind of, but not because it's it's the Amphicora on the island, but bringing people instead of traps. It, it was completely like, you know, we were trying to figure out what to name it. And Kevin is what we, we call Kevin the Amphicora in uh, in, the, in, in our, our brains. And uh, we were trying to think of like different titles. And I was like, no, nah, man, just, it's Kevin Saves Christmas. Saves Christmas, yeah. It's, it's just so it's the Kevin Saves Christmas special. I mean, let's be one like every like you say it right in there harkens back to the stuff that you watched growing up. There's a thousand of those things. Like it's the perfect title because it fits so much in with like Kiss Saves Christmas, the Harlem Globetrotters Saved Christmas, the transfer like everybody saved Christmas through the eighties and nineties. And that's and that's exactly what it is, man. You know, everything that we write and I you know, I can speak for George when I say this, but especially for me, everything that we write really does harken back to the things that we grew up loving and and the things that we, we we like you know and that's the thing like you know when you create anything you have to be your first fan because if you don't love what you do and you don't you don't pop for the things that you're writing the things you do no one else is gonna and so you know we're fans of ourselves we're fans of the things that we write and we know that by putting that love into it other people will be too because that's it's fun it's what it's all about you know that's why there's like a lot of rock and roll and pop culture references Pepper throughout Point Nemo, pepper throughout Rocks to Rush. It'll be pepper throughout everything that we write because it's, you know, in the rule book, it, you know, there's a quote at the, the on the first page of like every book. You know, the first one was from my buddy Jim Teacher, who's a real life rock and roller that I knew. Point Nemo is a quote from one of the characters. Well, in the rule book, the quote was, it's all about the game and how you play it, Lenny, you know? Because it's, you know, it's at the Triple H theme. It's all about the game and it's, it's freaking Lenny from Motorhead. So, yeah. you know, that's. That's how the brain works. Yeah, I'm looking at the gym teacher one here. Everybody wants to rock and roll, but nobody wants to pay the price, which also harkens to a certain level of like ominousness in this adventure of like somebody's gonna die. There's yeah, there's a lot of duality to it, and that's what I loved about it. And I actually sent I sent a copy to gym teacher. He was like, "I'm a gym teacher in years," and I was like, "Shh, just, just read the book, man." <laughs> Everyone's got a gimmick in New Jersey. Well. John, this has been a great conversation. Is there anything else you want to touch on for three, two, one action, or the Kickstarter, or um, this big flamethrower chainsaw that I'm looking at uh, as the artwork? So the, the brother the, Levi. The brother Levi. Yeah, I'll t- let me tell you a little bit about that. I mean, obviously, in the end, we're going to go home with me telling you about the Kickstarter because if you haven't yet, definitely book it down down to Kickstarter. Please back link in the description, folks. Yeah. Link in the description. It is going to be so much fun for you to play with your, you and your friends. You're going to love Point Nemo. So, you know, it's a an island that's military testing. A bunch of bunch of stuffs going on. There's got to be some cool weapons, right? There's going to be some some cool weapons in addition to the things you're going to find. So, you know, Levi uh, Levi Combs playing X Games is a good friend of mine. He was very instrumental and kind of guiding me through my first kickstarter so i wanted to do something cool to say thank you and like you know we always talk about grindhouse we talk about movies and stuff like that and you know i one of my favorite movies is the thing uh with kurt russell 
And so I was like, oh, I get it. I point him. I was like, I gotta get a flamethrower in here. Uh, I love the Evil Dead, and I'm like, I gotta get a chainsaw in here somehow. But I was like, you know what? Instead of putting them separate, you know, peanut butter and chocolate, two great flavors that go together. Same thing with chainsaws and flamethrowers. So it's the Brother Levi flame saw. Little nod to my friend Levi from Planet X, uh, and it is one of the most deadly weapons in the game. Um, there's a, a big uh, mini gun that you can find later on. That's uh, Jesse's girl. The minigun is called Jesse's Girl. A uh, little nod to Jesse the Body Ventura from Predator, which is the gun he had. Uh, there's the Sister Mabel grapple gun. Uh, my girlfriend and I were re-watching Gravity Falls. And she's like, yeah, every, every game should have a grappling gun in it. And I was like, you know what? Growing up watching Batman in like the 80s, the grapple gun, like that's like the most impressive thing. So you get the Sister Mabel grapple gun. There's like a special sword that you can find that is bonkers that i don't want to get too far into because i don't want to give too much away but yeah i mean outside of the normal adventure there's some cool special weapons you can find there's a cool destination there's a couple side quests uh as well and uh, a really great story running through it and that's one of the things that we're most proud of at 3 in action is we make the npcs count so the npcs are actually forwarding the story throughout the adventure and you're playing along with the movie. You're in the movie. And like you still have agency. You still have autonomy to do things you're going to do. But the NPCs are always right there with you to give you that little nudge in the right direction. We need to move on to the next part of the story. So um, Rocket to Rush had a really good story. Uh, little bits of it and threads from it go over in a Point Nemo. If you play both, the little Easter eggs are going to pop you once you get to Point Nemo. If you only play one or the other... They're completely separate experiences that you could have fun playing cover to cover. So yeah, man, there's a lot of lot of cool, lot of cool, fun little tidbits you're gonna find in uh, Point Nemo. Uh, and listeners, one of the other cool things in here, um, looking at all the different tiers, is if you pledge at a certain level, John here will run the game for you. Yeah, that's been one of our really popular tiers between both of them, where. Um, there's one tier where you'll just jump in a game that I'll, I'll run. And there's one tier where like you could put your friends together and I will run the game just for you and your friends private session. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. I think when you have the person who wrote it, run it with you. Cause I know it better than anybody. You know, I was, I was putting fingers, fingers to keyboard a lot on that one, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, we've got some cool stretch goals. If we can get them unlocked, we've got a, once we once we fund, once we hit seven grand, we have an artist uh, design character sheet. If you go to our itch, uh, there is a free character sheet. There is a free rule book. There is um, you know what you need to get started playing three two one action. But our idea is to have a special artist design character sheet for each individual game to add like a little more flavor to it we got some other cool stretch goals as well but right now what we really need help with is getting fully funded we're at 80 percent uh i think we've got 19 days left at this point by the time this episode airs it's probably about 17 or 16 so if you want to have a good time with your friends playing a killer uh, action adventure and get a new rule set for a game that you can play any kind of story you want to tell with please go down to kickstarter and back point email yeah and listeners, like I said, I, I'm already backing it. I actually just did it while we were talking here because uh, I wanted to make sure I did it without forgetting. Um, Ten bucks, you get the rule book, Kevin Saves Christmas, and Point Nemo. Where else are you going to find a full rule system and two adventures for $10? That's like, it, man. 
and we also did it we're also doing a new thing you know we were gonna send the pdf out with the physical rewards uh so you would actually once you once you back the hardcover you would get a uh a physical copy of the rule book as well but you know this is another thing i'm announcing here first we haven't announced it yet but if you buy a physical soft cover that's also going to come with a physical copy of the rule book as well so every physical nice. here is coming with a physical copy of the rule book in addition Ooh. to the pdf because why everyone to have everything uh, okay well now maybe i want to up my my back level you know i mean that's that's the thing like you know we want people to have this stuff in their hands so hmm we give, you the, mm. we give you both options. So you're going to get multiple. If you if you back the soft cover level and higher, you're going to have multiple PDFs uh, and physical media, and then it just it's going to grow from there. But yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. You know, we, we really want people to get the most bang for their buck, and you know, the physical copy of the rule book is kind of fun. It is it is that is truly a zine that we hit the mark on. That I think is like 24 pages all said and done. That's a zine. <laughs> Everything else is a full book. Yeah. Listeners, let's just too long didn't read. Uh, it's a really cool system, and you should back it. Link is in the description. But John, uh, you have a variety of other titles. Is there anything else that you want that you're currently doing that you want to plug? Uh, you meant to mentioned um, a couple podcasts. Anything else you want uh, or other places people should check you out at? Yeah, you can find me on the Twitter and on the Instagram at John McGuire RPG. I'm tweeting a lot right now uh, because I am trying to promote this Kickstarter, but I'm also tweeting about other stuff. I've been having like, these really stray observations that have been all right lately. Uh, you can check out my pop culture podcast, My Tie Happy Hour, wherever podcasts are found. If you're into RPGs, uh, the Vintage RPG podcast is going on our fourth year. Uh, Stu and I talk about classic RPGs, new RPGs, like to put over a lot of new talent. So, uh, you know, it's just us shooting the breeze for about 20, 30 minutes an episode every Monday, Vintage RPG. But that's that's pretty much it, man. John McGuire RPG on social media. Okay, I'll make sure I, I also I'll tag you when I uh, pop this up on our feed. Other than that, listeners, thank you very much for stopping in to join us. And, uh, you know, hopefully you also enjoy the system as much as I did.